Have you ever considered the impact your work environment has on your health and your productivity? Enter Uplift Desk, a revolutionary standing desk designed to transform the way you work. And that's just the beginning of what Uplift Desk has to offer. With an emphasis on ergonomics and customization, Uplift Desk offers a solution that caters to the dynamic needs of modern professionals. Whether you're coding, designing, or podcasting, like I am right now, the flexibility to switch between sitting and standing can significantly enhance your focus and vitality. What makes Uplift Desk stand out is not just their commitment to quality and innovation, but also their dedication to creating a healthier workspace. With options to customize from over 100 desktop materials and a plethora of accessories, Uplift Desk ensures that your work setup is uniquely yours, promoting better posture and movement throughout the day. And here's an offer to get you started on a healthier work journey starting today. Go to upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting for 5% off your order. That's upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting to get 5% off your entire order. Your health, your productivity, your future self will thank you. Again, that's upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting and get 5% off your entire order today. Have you ever had that heart-stopping moment when you realized you forgot the password to a critical account? I have, and that's exactly why I switched to 1Password years ago, and honestly, it's been a game-changer. I can't do without 1Password, and I know that if you give it a try, you will feel the same way. And when you support our sponsors, then you support the show. So I encourage you to check out what 1Password has to offer One of the things 1Password has to offer is it combines top-tier security with an award-winning design, making password management a breeze for anyone, anywhere. From the moment I started using 1Password, I said goodbye to the days of resetting passwords and worrying about security breaches. You see, 1Password isn't just about convenience. It's about saving you from the real cost of data breaches and the daily time suck of password resets. It works seamlessly across all your devices, filling in passwords for you so that you can sign in with a click. And the best part, all you need to do is remember one strong password that protects everything else. I've been using 1Password for as long as I can remember. My family is using it. Everyone in this household has bought in. It's, again, a game changer. It's completely transformed how I handle my digital security and my family feels the same way. We've gotten away from using the same passwords again and again and again, or sticky note reminders or having that notebook that says passwords I must remember. Plus, 1Password is trusted by millions, including giants like IBM and Slack. With 1Password, my digital life and my family's digital life is not only more secure, but infinitely simpler. And look, if you've ever been frustrated by a family member constantly asking for passwords, 1Password's secure sharing has been a total relationship saver for me. It's so secure that the Associated Press relies on it in high-risk areas, which means it's more than capable of keeping your digital life safe and streamlined. So why not make the switch? Protect yourself, your family, and your business with 1Password. It's the simple and secure way to manage your digital life. And right now, listeners of A Productive Conversation get a free two-week trial at onepasswordcom slash productive convo. 
That's two free weeks at onepassword.com slash productive convo. Again, onepassword.com slash productive convo. Check out one password. I know you'll fall in love with it like my whole family has. Again, that's onepassword.com slash productive convo for two free weeks. Check it out today. I'm Mike Vardy. Ever found yourself deep in a project, your flow state so intense that the world around you just fades away? That's the magic zone where ideas take flight and your work truly comes to life. But what if, in a blink, it could all disappear? Hard drives fail, coffee spills, and yes, even the dreaded accidental delete happens. But fear not, because Crash Plan has your back. Don't wait for disaster to strike. Head over to crashplan.com slash timecrafting now for a free trial and secure your creations with their limited time buy one, get one offers. Supporting our sponsors means supporting this podcast. So take a moment to check them out. CrashPlan is the superhero of cloud-based data protection, specifically designed for people like us who live and breathe their digital creations. CrashPlan ensures that every file, every idea, and every piece of hard work is safely backed up and protected. With CrashPlan Professional, you get unlimited backup for your computers, not servers or cloud apps, just pure essential data protection for PC, Mac, and Linux. This means your business plans, designs, music, and documents are continuously encrypted and updated in their secure cloud without you lifting a finger. Imagine this, your laptop takes a dive during a late night work session. With CrashPlan, it's not a disaster, it's just a minor hiccup. Their service runs quietly in the background, safeguarding every change you make every 15 minutes. And if the worst happens, your files are just a few clicks away from being restored with unlimited version retention acting as your personal time machine. For businesses, CrashPlan's multi-tenant capabilities are a game changer. Buy as many licenses as you need, manage them with ease, and let your team or your IT admin restore data seamlessly, saving precious time and resources. So go to CrashPlan.com slash TimeCrafting now to sign up for a free trial and take advantage of one of their limited buy one, get one offers for a productive conversation listeners. That's CrashPlan.com slash TimeCrafting. Back up better with CrashPlan. Ever caught yourself marveling at the seamless magic of everyday tech, like how noise-canceling headphones block out the world or the sheer bliss of meeting-free Fridays? Now imagine if there was a way to bring that kind of magic into selling online. Well, guess what? There is, and it's called Shopify. From the moment you decide to launch your online shop to opening your first physical store, and even when you're pinching yourself because, yes, you just hit a million orders, Shopify is there to guide your growth. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or the latest productivity tools, Shopify supports you everywhere with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. The checkout? Oh, it's a breeze for your customers, converting up to 36% better than other platforms. And with Shopify Magic, your AI-powered assistant, you're selling more with way less effort. And you won't be alone in your Shopify journey because Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., supporting giants like Allbirds and Brooklinen and millions of entrepreneurs across 175 countries. Their award-winning support is always there, making sure businesses that grow, Grow with Shopify, and yours can be one of those businesses. And for those looking to level up, Shopify's endless integrations and third-party apps from on-demand printing to chatbots ensure your business is always ahead of the curve. 
So what are you waiting for? Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash timecrafting now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash timecrafting. Have you ever looked into fasting and thought, I love the benefits, but I can't go days without eating? Well, that's where Prolon comes in, transforming the fasting experience with a plant-based nutrition program that tricks your cells into thinking they're fasting without actually having to stop eating. Developed through decades of research at the University of Southern California Longevity Institute, Prolon is not just another diet, it's a scientifically backed program designed to support your body's natural processes. Now keep in mind, this isn't about cutting out food, it's about providing your body with the right nutrients to enter a fasting state while still eating. The program includes snacks, soups, and beverages, all carefully designed to support healthy blood sugar levels, cardiovascular health, and even reduce abdominal fat. And the convenience? It's unmatched. Everything you need comes in one box delivered right to your doorstep. Thousands of doctors now recommend Prolon for its health benefits, backed by Nobel Prize winning science. So if you're looking for a way to kickstart your health journey with all the benefits of fasting and none of the hunger, Prolon is the answer. And right now, Prolon is offering a Productive Conversation listeners 10% off their five-day nutrition program. Go to prolonlife.com slash timecrafting. That's P-R-O-L-O-N life.com slash timecrafting for this special offer. Again, that's prolonlife.com slash timecrafting. Check it out today. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. And this is the Productivityist Podcast. You know, there's been a constant theme here lately on the Productivityist Podcast. Well, not really constant, but... In recent weeks, we've had Dimitri Leonov from SaneBox on talking about email, and it's the time of year where a lot of people are thinking about better email habits, and today I have Andy Mitchell uh, of Active Inbox on the show. So, I mean, there are real, real uh, parallels to what I've been talking about, you know, not just on the podcast, but also, you know, on Facebook and Twitter and social media and all that stuff. Oh, by the way, I'm Mike Vardy. 
the host of this podcast and founder of Productivityist, and you are listening to the Productivityist podcast. This is the public edition, which means you're not going to hear the entire interview that we do. I'll share with you how to do that at the tail end of the show. But Andy and I had a great conversation. I'm really, really happy with the way that it turned out. We talked about, again, just communication in general and uh, productivity and how email can be used as a means of uh, a dashboard, if you will, how it can be used as a means of managing your tasks. Again, I'm not totally sold on that, but Andy does make some compelling arguments, and I'll just let you listen to them here on the show right now. Andy Mitchell, myself, having a conversation about email here on the product and, and more here on the Productivity Podcast. Enjoy. I'd like to welcome Andy Mitchell, founder of Active Inbox, to the Productivity Podcast. Andy, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Mike. All right, so I want to talk to you today about what can be one of the biggest uh, ineffective uses of time for a lot of people. And it's hanging around that email inbox. Now, you've got a tool that we'll talk about Active Inbox in a little while. Um, But I want to talk about email because anyone who's listened to the show for a long period of time knows that I'm not a huge fan of spending your time in email. In fact, I'm a big believer in email. Get in there and get out as quickly as possible because I, I find that Uh, and again, this has been well documented, that when you go into email first thing in the morning, what you're saying is that the agenda that I had in mind for today, the stuff I set up in my task management app of choice, whether it's a paper app or whether it's a digital app, pales in comparison to what others may have sent my way. Uh, Why, first off, you don't, I don't believe you have that same stance. Would that be a correct, uh, correct assumption? (laughs) Uh, at its essence, that's a correct assumption. I think um, no one's going to argue that spending more time in email than you have to. Yeah, no one wants to bathe in the, in the soft milk of email. Um, I think we both agree you want to get in and get out as fast as possible. Where I would take a slightly different stance um, is that it's, I think it has to be the center of your daily workflow. Um, it's such an ingrained part of your life. And it's it's the the it's it's the place where everything arrives, all notifications from your other system come into it. But it does actually make sense for it to be the one place you focus to get things done in your life. Um, but I I think um, yeah, there's no way I'm going to be insane enough to say there's not a lot of problems with email. It's it's a deeply frustrating experience. But but, um, one, but one of the things that I find is that. And I, I, I guess the reason that the email it poses such a problem, I'm not going to argue with you that email is cr- a part of the workflow, but the problem is, is that unlike a traditional to-do list or a task management application where it's you and you alone that's kind of managing the, the funnel that's coming in, you can decide what to pay attention to and what you can't. Email, while it, it in essence gives you that capability because you can decide what to pay attention to and what not, um, I think a lot of people don't take that tack with email. They feel that everything that comes in needs to be, it, it's it's coming to me via email, so therefore it's important. It's that it's that rush of, of input that, you know, kind of says, hey, this needs to be dealt with. And the problem is that there's just one of you, but there's literally hundreds that could be sending you stuff. So that's why, to me, like, how do you, how do you combat that? Because, I mean, if, if it's your dashboard, how do you combat the, the, influx of communication both important and banal uh (laughs) that people send your way if you're spending you know if you're using it as your dashboard for your workflow i think it's uh i think it merely reflects the nature of your your role um if you are getting hundreds of people 
contacting you. And obviously, you know, you are um, a public presence. So perhaps your experiences are not kind of the more day-to-day experiences that people have. Mm-hmm. But even within the corporation, I, you know, I agree that people are getting uh, lots of stuff coming in. Um, but I think that's just life. If it's not email, they, they, people are going to find a way to contact you in a different way. Um, so the, the fundamental question applies to email as it does to anything else, which is, okay, how do you actually um, deal with it? And um, I think it's, it's I, I don't want to go into kind of mundane details just yet, like set up feeds, filters and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think it's just knowing what's important and getting it out of the inbox. I think there's this, there's this concept that the inbox is um, email. And it's and that's where a lot of the frustration comes from. The fact is, the inbox is a horrible, horrible place to be. It's a simply, uh, simply a chronological list, and um, with no sort of, you can go from one item to another item, and it could be something about uh, your work, and it could be then something about your personal life, which obviously is a huge context switch, and that makes it um, deeply unpleasant for us to try and uh, kind of go through it. And and the email tools give us no real option to do it any other way. Um, I would argue that uh, the inbox is something to be got out of, but that doesn't mean email as a whole is something to be got out of. Does that make sense as a, as a differentiation? Totally. I mean, I think email for me, the inbox especially, it's just one giant mystery. Every time you open it, because you look at it and you, you're in there and you're like, okay, here are the things that came in. And then if you don't deal with those things, the next time you go back into it, it remains a mystery. Is, is that maybe oh, one of the... That's- uh, that's a classic problem. I mean, yeah. this, we, I, I, I don't know if this is a true psychological term, but I've, the word that pops into my head is avoidance. Mm-hmm. Um, the second that uh, email starts to build up, or any list starts to build up, even a task list gets old, we just go, mm, you know what, maybe today I'll, I'll uh, just not look at it. And this causes deep anxiety for us um, because as humans, uh, entire societies are built on, on reciprocating. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of the essence of reputation management. It's where gossip comes from. It's, it's me saying to somebody else, hey, Mike, uh, you know, oh, about Mike, it's, Mike's good for this and bad for this. Um, and so if you don't reciprocate to people who are contacting you, um, somewhere in a very primal sense, you know that that's a bad thing. And so email's inducing us to be avoidant. And because that means we're not getting back to people, that's like a deep cause of stress. Let's actually talk about the inbox for a second here in in a bit of a deeper sense because what a lot of people do is they strive for this thing that has actually been kind of um, misappropriated or mistermed or the term has been kind of corrupted and that's that inbox zero term is if they get their email to inbox zero, then they are being productive. They have been productive. They've gotten... And, and I'm not, a, again, I look at this term and that's not what it was coined to become. Merlin Mann, when he created the term, he didn't say get your email to zero. It's, it's like get your, get your, get things sorted so that you know that there's no mystery left. Like let, let's, let's get the, the mystery to zero. Let's get the, the, uh, you know, let's get that down to zero because then you can really move forward. So I, so I think that is the essence of at least Merlin Mann's interpretation is the essence of avoiding, uh, stopping being avoidant. It's, it's um, a very gentle way to stay in control. And you're right. I think it's, it's mutated into this um, kind of planning to plan style meta uh, approach um, that is it's just wasteful. It's, it's, it's shifting papers around the place. Um, but I think if you can actually empty the inbox by just uh, in a very quick fashion, I think that's where the actual power lies. It's 
they, you know, I think with Inbox Zero, they, they, they encourage you to do certain things like only check your inbox twice a day. And the realists amongst us will know that that's just not an option. Um, you've got bosses breathing down your neck. You've got VIP customers trying to get to you. And you know, your decision to wait six hours to even look at their email isn't going to satisfy them. And but here's the question, though. is that Does that mean that email is the right medium for that? I mean, that's why I like tools like Slack. Productivityists, the team at Productivityists, we never, we, I, I, I wouldn't say never, let's say, but I would say the percentage of our communication taking place inside of Slack versus inside of email is 95% to 5%. Because it, what it does is it separates our communication in this silo that I know that if I'm looking for communication from Productivityists, I'm going to be checking Slack. I'm not going to be going into email <laughs> to see if there's too much there because email has been... And I guess maybe this is how I've I've created how I've decided to treat email, and maybe not everybody has this choice. In fact, I know not everybody has this choice. But email to me is not about urgency. It's not about hey, get this to me by you know five o'clock. It's about hey, here's some important information that you may want to have related to either just information or related to a task that I want you to complete. Whereas something like a text message or or, or a instant message is more like hey, are you busy right now? I need this thing. And I think that's another way that we use email inappropriately. So I think this is uh, this is something that actually gets recommended a lot. Um, and people say, oh, I don't need to worry about email because if someone really needs me, they'll call me. Um, or as you, you know, in, in the sort of modern world, that uh, would be they'll use Slack to get hold of me. Um, but the problem is it's, it's only uh, a sort of, it's, it's more avoiding email than it is um, the benefit of using Slack, I think. It's a way. It's it's our internal sort of mind saying, um, email is actually really clunky, or it's badly designed, and it's causing me all this stress. Therefore, I'll just avoid it, and I'll just use Slack instead for the really important stuff. But the problem is, if um, everyone then decided, if if there were no more emails, and then everyone decided to use Slack, then Slack would be the overbearing place where. And we've seen uh, this. Too much information, <laughs> yeah. and you need someone to call you. Yeah, we are uh, seeing this happen. It's like you know, you're trading one problem for another. Exactly. That's a much more succinct way of saying it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I, I think really um, what we'll come around to arguing in time is, is um, email is a perfectly good place to do this kind of stuff. We just need to slightly reassess how we're using email. Um, and I think, I mean, I, I will take a turn at, at actually piling on the problems of email. Um, and I would argue that the, it's, you know, it's, it's, again, it's nothing that Inbox Zero is trying to solve which is a problem of interruption. Mm. And um, just that kind of, okay, how, do you, how are you dealing with this um, stuff that's coming in all the time? And to kind of finish off the, the, the earlier point I started making with Inbox Zero, which is um, you can check if you wanted to every half an hour or an hour, um, just see if there's anything truly important that's come in. But the, the key thing is you don't need to reply. And I think this, again, is, is this very human nature to reciprocate. You know, oh, something interesting's come in. It's, it's made my brain think about this thing. And I'm going to deal with this thing. Um, I would argue that if your email tool is capable of letting you say um, uh, what day this email has to be dealt with or that this email is part of a project, you can go, actually, not that important. Uh, move it to this project. Mark it for tomorrow. I'll deal with it then. Or maybe it's from the boss or an important customer, at which point you say, okay, it's for today. I'm going to deal with it right now. Um, or sorry, at some point, uh, my sort of my scheduled email time for the day. So you can be checking every half an hour, but then actually only dealing with it at four p.m. to five p.m. in the evening, um, and that's okay. I think, but it's it's having the discipline to be um, in one of two modes, either in a in an inbox clearing mode 
or in an email doing mode. Does that fit with with kind of your experience of it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that modes are really a great way to to look at this. Um, I when I look at email and the way I treat it is again, I re- recognize its importance, and I, I you mentioned mindset, and I think that that's the key. I've never really, I think the problem is is that, and maybe this is again the way I, I treat it is that email has become the problem when it's not the platform, it's the it's the purveyors of the platform, it's the people who <laughs> are using it. Because you can, and I've done this with coaching and, and all, as a, getting people out of, to, to even understand, whether, no, it doesn't matter what tool you're using either, is just to understand that, listen, e- email's where you're, you live, fine. Okay, if, if, if I'm going to acquiesce and say that that's what, if you, if, if I can't get past that point, which I, which with, I would say probably about 40% of the people I can't get past that point. Then I say, all right, let's get to a goal of, even if we don't get to a goal of like getting that inbox, that mystery down to nothing. What if we get the mystery of everything prior to today down to nothing? And I've talked about this before on, on one of my bonus episodes of the podcast where I talk about inbox today. Like what if you took everything up until today and made a decision on it? What if you said, okay, because you and I both know that if we've looked at uh, inboxes, and we have, we would see, you know, wow, there's somebody that's left an email in there from a, three months ago because there's something there that they want to remember. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, and we talked about this, is that when you open up the inbox, you you are going in there with the admission of, I don't remember what's here, or I don't know <laughs> what's here. So why are you leaving that there to remember it? It's no longer... You've never, you haven't categorized it. And, and I often use the, the term of when I worked at Costco, you know, you would have the receiving department and everything would come in through that one department, produce, furniture, you know, frozen goods, everything. Nothing stayed there because if it stayed there, you'd never find anything. <laughs> Things <laughs> would go bad, you know. So the receiving department was... It, you spent a lot of time in there because it was the function. Of, I mean, it was the function of of the 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 whole organization. If no one was working in receiving, there, things would remain in the receiving dock. And I remember I'd go back there and you'd tell if they had a, a you know an understaffed day because the whole receiving dock floor would be full of product. Uh, you know, so they wouldn't be able to get everything either received or and and again you'd also know is if you didn't have enough forklift drivers for that day or whatever, that that stuff would be there. So no one could buy anything back there. You didn't see customers going to the receiving dock going, I wonder what's in that giant pallet of stuff (laughs) that I can't tell. Um, You know? So the problem is, is that a lot of people, they use it as... um, You'd never do this, by the way, with your physical mailbox. You'd never say, hey, here's where my stuff lives. It's going to stay here until I'm ready because your postman would start stop delivering mail to you. <laughs> and if you did this at the office and it was your in-basket at the office and people go, why do you have 3,000 sheets of paper here? Oh, well, just in case I need them later. No one would ever do that. But we do. why do we do this with email? What? Why is it so hard? And I mean, I want to talk about Active Inbox because I do think it makes it easier for sure. But why is it so like, why is it so challenging for people to wrap their head around this in the digital sense, wherein, whereas in the analog sense, it would seem absolutely ridiculous. The notion of it, of just having a thousand sheets of paper in an in-basket on your desk, people go, I would never do that. But they do that with email all the time. 
I think it's it's uh, the inherent cognitive load of, of software. Yeah. Um, we we we're not good. Or the metaphors aren't strong enough um, for us to grasp that it is this this very high volume thing. And it hides. It hides from us. So therefore, it doesn't seem as as apparent. That is the real problem, isn't it? And I think, but I think we um, if we're actually agreeing on this point, which I think we are. <laughs> um, then we're, we're uh, almost renegades in, in the current modern world of email clients. Um, everything has turned to snoozing now. Uh, mm. This idea that you say, okay, bring this back in two days' time. An inbox by Google, uh, the product name inbox, um, well, that's, that's the problem, right? I mean, they've, they've called the whole product inbox, and they've, they've basically taken the attitude, okay, everybody lives in their inbox. This is a reality, and we'll just make that as that reality even though it might be a subpar reality, but we will make it as elegantly elegant as humanly possible. Um, and I think they've, you know, within within the remit of what they're trying to do, they've succeeded. Um, it's a very elegant way to live out of your inbox. But the problem remains, um, which is it just, uh, it's a chaotic place to live. It's just this chronological list. And um, it, it almost even it doubles the anxiety. So if we're saying the anxiety comes from just more and more stuff piling into your inbox and you have to get it ideally into a saner place, then all the snoozing is doing is, is doubling or tripling that anxiety as you snooze stuff and it comes back to you. Because you know um, what's going to come back. Like that's you know people, people are, it's like we talked, actually we talked about this before we jumped on, like before we started recording, we talked about sleeping and how, you know, the, the ideal, you're learning about sleep cycles. I've understood them for a little while. Um, you know, and hitting that snooze button, it doesn't, it creates a temporary restful situation. But what it also does is a couple of things. Number one is a, it, it definitely screws up sleep cycling. Number two is you set that alarm for a reason. You wanted to be up at X time or by X time. So what you'll do is you'll, if you snooze it, then all of a sudden anything that you laid out that 20 minutes, let's say that you snooze or whatever, or if you hit the snooze button about a whole bunch of times, whatever that time frame is, you've lost that on the other side of being out of bed. So that means anything that your, your, your older, wiser version of yourself, the one that isn't, you know, waking up first thing in the morning and has basically got a clean slate for their day said, Hey, you want to be up a half hour earlier because, um, you know, there is, uh, some, you want to do some extra reading or you want to get a workout in or whatever. This compounds, and then what you do is, and not not everybody does this, but what will happen is, if this happens consistently, you treat the symptoms rather than the problem. Well, well, you know what? Instead of what I'm going to do is I'm going to hit the snooze button four times. I give myself permission to hit the snooze button four times. And, and so I will start my alarm earlier. So if I want to be up at 7.30, I will hit, have my alarm go off at 7, hit the snooze button four times, and then that way I'll be out of bed by 7.30. So you start to it's, – it's like setting your clock ahead so that you make sure you're never late. Again, it's, it's, I, I think what we're getting at here is it's, it's something that's just happening to, to us. It's, it's not necessarily the, the environment's – I was going to say it's not necessarily the environment's um, – uh, well, it's, it's the environment that's created it, but it's not. It shouldn't have. It's 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 like with trying to use Slack to to uh, for VIP bosses rather than email. Mm. Um, email should be able to do this. It shouldn't. There's no fundamental reason why email shouldn't um, be able to support you. But you're right. We're we're being encouraged for whatever reason by clunky email clients to do this kind of thing. And it's, you use the word compounding, 
And we actually did, uh, with Active Inbox, try um, to do a snoozing feature about two or three years ago. Um, we never got past beta with it. And the reason is we, we saw um, that everyone was snoozing things and then they come back to the inbox and immediately everyone would snooze stuff again. And you create this incredible tidal wave ahead of yourself of stuff that you keep just keep throwing into the future. And we're very bad as humans at predicting um, exactly uh, what our future selves are going to be feeling in two hours' time or two days' time or whenever it is that we snooze it for. Um, and I think that's, for me, that's like one of the key reasons why snoozing is, is not a solution. It, but it does have that quality of feeling very, very good at the moment. It's lovely to be able to say, I don't want this right now. But it is going to come back and it is going to haunt us. Um, but I think just take one step back mm-hmm. as, as to why um, inbox, um, the inbox as a whole is a, is a place that we seem to try and use. You, know, you said about leaving the thing in the inbox three months ago because you want to remember it. And why Google's decided to center it on inbox is, um, is the complexity of software and the complexity of having multiple places to go to. If we can agree that email is never going to be pleasant, it's not a game, it's not um, uh, an episode of Seinfeld, it's, it's, um, it's a chore. And so is a task manager. We don't like task managers. They're just telling us to do things. And so the more sort of fragmentation we have, um, the more different places that we have to go and look, then the less likely we are to actually go look in the first place. And so stuff just gets forgotten. And, you know, in, when I've talked to customers in the past, again, the, the thing that they keep saying is, oh, yeah, no, I, I tried this great new task manager. It was wonderful. Um, but then it built up with a load of stuff. And I just thought it'd be easier just to ditch it and move on to a different system. And so they find the next new great shiny task yeah. manager and they move wholesale over to it. Um, and this is it's just kind of screaming the, the reason that it was allowed to build up with, with stuff in the first place is because they they could avoid it. They, you know, it was, it was hidden somewhere in their systems. They didn't have to open the app. And for me, this is actually, I'm, I'm jumping ahead slightly. Perhaps, sure. But this is, is kind of one of the key reasons why I think email can be the center of the daily workflow and, and actually rationally should be. Um, because not only because of the notifications from all different systems, does it have everything coming into the inbox? Um, it's also where we're already spending 80% of our day. We all have our email clients open. For better or worse, we're habituated to it. And so it's really hard to avoid it. Um, you can let stuff build up, but you can't just ditch it and run away from it. <laughs> At some point, you're going to have to face the reality that there's all this stuff here. Um, and so the best thing you can do in that situation, I think, is to go, actually, okay, this is kind of convenient. I'm not fragmenting my life into lots of different spaces. Everything's in one place. That's nice and relaxing. Um, but what I can do is try and actually find ways to make uh, that email client more palatable. Um, and that's that's kind of the... the the center point, I think, of, of my argument is we shouldn't be fragmenting tools. We should just be making email better. You know, when I was talking to Gentry Underwood of, of Mailbox back when he was doing orchestra, and I talk, we talked to him on, on the old Mike's on Mike show with, with Schechter. I'll see okay. if I can find that and put that in the, in the show notes because it was very interesting when Mailbox came along, like how that kind of worked out. But um, one of the things that, that, that he said in that interview was that he was trying to build a task app with orchestra and he was getting emails from his wife and he couldn't, he finally just gave up. He finally said, you know, people are not, and that's when mailbox was born. It was like, that's when the snoozing, that's when the assigning of, of which I mean, again, it's not new active inbox has been around longer than I, than at mailbox. I know that. Mm. Right. So, um, but I find it, 
I think, and and this is where I, I'm not going to necessarily disagree with you, but I think the problem for me is is that what a lot of people do is that if you look at each of those, I, I don't think that I think that fragmenting is fine if it's done mindfully, if it's done with the because there are certain things that email email does not really allow you to do focused work for a lot of people because a lot of people don't have the discipline to ignore the pinging of the new the new thing that lands in their inbox in fact when i tell people to go into email mode from their task app and i say look at the emails you have to deal with and then check out the new ones that little glowing you know bold here's what's in my inbox pulls them that way Rather than have them deal with the the missions that they already have, they go, hey, well, look, more questions. Let's go see what those questions are because human beings love mystery. They love exploration. (laughs) They, you know, I wonder what's on TV tonight. I wonder, you know, who's going to be, you know, I wonder what this tastes like. Whereas, which not to say it's the um, it's the perfect variable reward machine, right? Like the the essence of Las Vegas. Absolutely, (laughs) pull the lever, and do you get a good thing or do you get a bad thing? And and we're incredibly easily addicted by it. I think. if you are capable, and I think this is where, where it, depending on what your, your station is, like, you know, what your job is. So for me, I can create boundaries with email. I can say that I'm not checking email after five o'clock and be okay with that. Whereas somebody else, they're like, mm, I don't know. Uh, I've got a- people have access to me 24-7, so I'm going to give them access to me 24-7. I mean, a lot of people don't realize that when you send an email at 8 at night, it's not just the email you're sending. You're sending the subject line, which has the date and the time, which means that sub- sub- you know, subconsciously, the person receiving it on the other end says, hey, uh, you know, Andy sent me an email at 8 p.m. If I send him an email at 8 p.m., there's a good chance he's going to reply because he's an email. So I know he's checking email. Like, it, th- these are things that go through our head without us actually thinking about them. So I think that... that if a and this is I think a nice lead in to talk about active inbox to be honest because if you have the infrastructure in place to make email work in a similar fashion as a project or task management application would where you can get things and make decisions on them quickly as opposed to letting them fester in this inbox that's where the magic can happen that's where you can really say okay it's my dashboard because there's this framework that exists and frameworks foster freedom they're, they're the thing that allow you to make decisions because instead of you saying oh look at all these 23 newsletters that came into my inbox those are the, you make those decisions and oh here's the t- and turning that and, and you mentioned this on the active inbox site you know it's emails aren't letters they're just poorly written and poorly organized tasks and you did mention that they're chronological and i totally agree in fact i'll tell people instead of sorting their email by by date sort it by person if yeah. you really if you want to get your inbox under like see oh look 14 are from my boss deal with those and then the other ones that you like you understand the relationship you have with these people so deal with those and then look at what's left right so how does how do and i think this is where we kind of get the origin story so when you how did you make it so that you kind of said all right Email is a central battery. It's no, use a Green Lantern term. It's the central power battery. It's where all my, it's everything feeds off this. So how do I make it so that it it, it does so responsibly? Um, so we were coming at it from. I mean, it, uh, just to give it a very quick backstory, um, Antwin Boss was born just out of necessity. It was me scratching my own itch, and that at the time was uh, we were doing customer support through email, and that was incredibly convenient and not. 
attention uh, cost-effective way to do things. Um, and so we needed to be able to just say, okay, something important has come into the inbox. Um, I'm not going to be able to deal with it straight away, but I don't want to forget about it. And a lot of everything that we've been talking about is around that. Um, the inbox is a place where stuff gets forgotten. And so the essence of Active Inbox is emails aren't exchange of letters. They are a flow of tasks between uh, you, me, and our uh, colleagues and customers and every knowledge worker in the world. And so treat them as such and pull things out of the inbox and um, put them in places where they can be sanely dealt with, where they can be dealt with um, without having to mentally context switch. So you could deal with everything for Bob or you could deal with everything uh, for Project X um, and or everything that needs to be done today. And it's, it's just very, it's, it's kind of a, a much more focused way of dealing with your life without the chaos of the inbox. And at its, at its heart, what it's doing is saying, actually, an email client is kind of handy, but it has a lot of flaws. And a task manager is kind of handy, but it has a lot of flaws. And actually, life's a lot easier if you just blend those things together, take the best of both of the worlds, and, and kind of create one approach to doing it. And yeah, I, I'm kind of conscious of, of not giving too much of a sales pitch for Active Inbox. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, and I think the that essence the... of what we're, my creative work is, is, is doing that. Um, but what I was going to say was, is, is a few things that you, you hit upon. Um, and uh, one of those was um, that if you have to have your email client open, it does the bings and it does the red dot saying, pay attention to me, you have new items. And of course, then you get sucked into that uh, Alice in Wonderland style rabbit warren that takes you in all different places. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, again, it comes down, it's, it's not an inherent problem with email. It comes down to your email client being incredibly needy. And um, one of the things that we do is, is let you just turn your inbox notifications off. You know, in fact, frankly, hide your inbox if you want to. Um, so you're not constantly being interrupted by things. And so I, I absolutely agree with the problem of it. Um, but I think, again, there's just not been much innovation around email for the last 30 years, um, except, well, maybe for the last two. Yeah, and frankly, you know what? I mean, those notifications, we, we tend to... I mean, there's when you get your new device or when you get your new computer, they're on by default. Yes. They, they, yeah. Which is which, and and so if you took ten minutes, or even 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 fifteen minutes, so you know uh, one quarter of an hour, uh, and said, I'm going to go through and make sure, going to go to the notification center on my iPhone or or go to Android or go on my Mac or Windows and and turn them and make those notifications mine. I think that's the thing is people think in absolutes, you know, I need to either have notifications or don't. I need to yeah. either have email, like every email client uh, and every calendar program says, I want to be updated every X amount of time. You could say, hey, I only want to see new notifications pop up every half hour, yeah. right? That would actually be an incredibly powerful thing. But most people don't take that time to do it because, and he, and the interesting thing is, is they don't because as soon as they they install their new email client, all of the emails that they've left in their inbox show up. And they're like, okay, you got to deal with those. And then they don't get to the root of the problem. And really the root of the problem, as you and I both kind of put, is it's the people. It's the users. Because the the users choose the client and the users choose how they deal with it. And I mean, the same. you talked about the task managers and how people use task managers and they move from task to, you're right, absolutely. But they also do it with email clients. They can't escape email, but they'll say, like, I've seen people use tools like, uh, you know, 
Google's in. Look, even what Gmail's done with Priority Inbox, and then they have Google Inbox, and then uh, you know there's there's Mailbox, which we've already talked about. There's IQtel. There's uh, there's different native mail clients like Mailplane and MailPilot and AirMail. I'm just using the Mac ones as an example. <laughs> there's Outlook. There's, it, you know, because they're all mail clients, and people say, well, if I have a better mail client, maybe the email will be a better experience. It'll look prettier. It'll look nicer. I've reverted back to the Gmail web interface because of the extensibility it has. And I think this is one of the reasons why Active Inbox and, and other tools work. Gmail is so pliable. It's so – you can build frameworks in any of these. I mean, that's one of the nice things is you can build a structure that it says, okay, I want to only see anything, that's, anything that comes in that's this. It's a newsletter. I want it filtered and go to this folder if you want. I don't go that deep. I just, you know, if it's, I look at an email and I say, oh, is this information? Is it a task or is it both? Oh, it's information. At that point, I move it to Evernote, but some people will actually create folders for that stuff. That's fine. Um, oh, is it a task? Oh, great. It's going to Todoist or it's going to Asana, one or the other. And again, the web, the, the if you're using Chrome, you can create a task right from the, I mean, because every Gmail a message has a URL, right? So every, you know, basically I can click on that and it creates a task from that, which is great. And then I can get out of there once I'm done clearing, going through my email and saying, okay, I'm done here. Now let's move back to Todoist or Asana or whatever I'm working, wherever I'm working. And that'll be the end of it. You've removed that last step with, with what you're using. But the problem is it's the, it's the user's email came along and, and, we all started using it without having any kind of decorum for ourselves in place. <laughs> we just said, oh, look, email. It's, it's you know, it, no one would, and, and while you say that email isn't meant to replace the letter, and it is really more of tasks associated with it, absolutely. <laughs> but a lot of people treat it with immediacy. Like everything's got to be immediate, and that's not always the case. There's, I, I hate those emails that say, uh, can you get working on this day? And then the reply is no problem. Like really, really like I get that there's an acknowledgement there. And, but if you've been working with this person for months and months and months, there's no, I mean, it, it should be understood that if you're in a working relationship with that person, you don't need to get the last word in, you know, it's not the phone, you know, where by you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. You know, so I mean, there's, but it all boils down to no one knew how to deal with email when it came along, and so the rules, there, the applying boundaries and rules to it now are is very very difficult because not everybody will play by them. Well, Andy, this is a great conversation. Um, I had a blast. I hope you did too. Uh, where can people find you and your work so they can check out what what you've got going on and and look for you outside of this space? Um, if you just pop over to activeinboxhq.com, then you'll find um, everything that it is that we do. I will say it's, it's actually, Mike, it's been um, a genuine pleasure to talk to you with this because it, it kind of forces my brain to think slightly differently. <laughs> it's, it's nice to be challenged on things. Um, and one of the things that we've had in our favor from the earliest days um, is we're not really a business first. <laughs> we're essentially just a bunch of geeks that are trying to create a great solution. And so we've always been quite community-driven, um, in fact, very community-driven. And you know, we have forums and blogs and a back-and-forth discussion with people, and we try ideas that people suggest. 
And much like, like trying the snoozing feature, we then call things that don't work. We won't just add stuff just to have a tick on the box somewhere that says we have this feature. We're trying to create a solution. Um, and so actually, yeah, this I've been taking notes as we, um, I hope you don't build me for this. We've been taking notes as we talk um, about uh, sort of ideas of, and ways to improve things. Um, so yeah, it's this, this uh, talking on the show has been great for that. And uh, if anyone else wants to chime in, um, please do come by the site and try the product and um, feel incredibly welcome to get in touch with us. And it's always good to chat. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast, Andy. Thanks, Mike. So there you have it. That is the conversation that we had. I, I promise you there will not be email discussions coming up, at least solely focused on email in the near future. We I got a lot outside of my system with these last uh, couple of episodes with Dimitri and now with Andy. Uh, you can learn more about them. Just go to the show notes. You'll see all the stuff that we have there. And if you want to get the entire interview, everything that we discussed, head over to my Patreon page and support the show. You'll get bonus episodes every week as well as a bunch of other perks. Just head over to patreon.com slash productivityist and you'll learn all about it there. Again, big thanks to Andy Mitchell for joining me on the show this week. Big thanks to my podcast producer, John Polstra. Big thanks to all of you for listening. And until next time, I'm Mike Barty, the founder of Productivityist and host of the Productivityist podcast, reminding you to stop guessing and start going.